Jim Harold here, and you're listening to the Southern Fried Philosophy Podcast. These guys are crispy. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Southern Fried Philosophy Podcast, where it's our take on life, liberty, and the pursuit of gravy. And you, the listener, are getting a degree in common sense. We are broadcasting from the ERI studio right here in beautiful Concord, North Carolina. I be your host, Biggin, and how about you? We've got a great show lined up for you today. In studio, we've got producer Brian. Hey. And, of course, the pride of Anderson, South Carolina. But most of you probably know him best as the Silver Tongue one. 2016's honorable mention, Father of the Year, the inventor of the redneck egg roll. Give it up to my man, my best friend. What up, Mojo? We've got a joke for all the mind readers out there. Okay. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. That's, that's, that's good. good that's good radio yeah, right there. Yeah. <laughs> Appreciate you guys tuning again once again to the show. Uh, you can find us on our website at southernfryvelocity.com. They have playable links. Brian is doing an amazing job of. Uh, putting all the show notes that we neglected to do for the first 3,712 episodes. So uh, that you can go there, check those out for the links uh, for news articles or wacky news, special guests and um, whatever else we have on there. You can go to our iTunes, Google play Stitcher, not, not Podcoin anymore, but you yeah. know, <laughs> go to iHeart, wherever you listen to your favorite episodes, just add us on there. Also, we appreciate that. Just get hit the subscribe search. Uh, right, before you hit subscribe, go to search, hit uh, Southern Fry philosophy. Then you hit subscribe. Give us a like a rating a review. We really appreciate that. Um, yeah, just, we love connecting with you guys. Um, also want to say, uh, go to patreon.com forward slash SFP radio. And, uh, you can kind of check us out there, support what you're doing, uh, support what we're doing here. Mm-hmm. That way maybe we can, uh, split a, a 12 pack of Krispy Kreme donuts mm, and some coffee. Come on with it. Hmm. That'd be great. Um, just some housekeeping things. I want to say shout out to our new Patreon, uh, subscriber, Jack Waller from Concord, North Carolina. Also our friend Tori is now a Patreon yeah. SFP insider. Tori Allman. We appreciate you. He, I, he decided to join. He's over all the way in the, in the, in Europe, in Holland, I oh, guess. Right. Holland. 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 Yeah. So yeah, Tori, we appreciate you uh, passing the gospel of SFP over there. We know that you've been <laughs> uh, littering with the stickers and uh, sporting your t-shirt and uh, anywhere you go. We know you always, uh, uh, I guess, spread the gospel. So we appreciate that. And hopefully we give you a little taste of home. While you're overseas. No doubt. Yeah, and if we could just ask you guys, if you don't become an SFP insider, the least you could do uh, is just, you know, tell your friends about this podcast. We would really appreciate it. Let them uh, subscribe, get our uh, numbers to go up a little bit so we can get uh, better advertising and that kind of stuff. So we would really appreciate you just spreading the gospel, as you said, of the Southern Fried Philosophy Podcast. Um, Also want to say producer Brian is kicking out a new podcast on the SFP radio network. Uh, yes, I am. I, I started a podcast called uh, Southern Fried Headlines. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's essentially eight to ten headline stories. Basically, I read the news to you, the dumb news, mm-hmm. as I would see it. Uh, <laughs> once a week on Friday. Um, it's funny. I, I saw uh, Tory's name here, and he's actually probably one of my only five subscribers right now. So oh, no. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's been fun. Um, 
that comes out on Friday. Missed last week because I was traveling. Sure, That's why I was yeah. gone. I, yeah. I recorded a show and then I listened to it and all I heard was refrigerator noise from the Airbnb. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to re-record this. So. Yeah. No, so where'd you go? Tell everybody where you uh, Okay, so I've been in, I've been in Charleston for I was there for two weeks. I did come back on the weekend to see my family, but uh, I had to. It was a project, work project. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm an independent contractor, so was, you know, it, was it witness protection? I can't say. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Dum dum dum. Yeah, it's a good time. You know, yeah. I, I enjoyed myself there. Had some uh, good food. I sent you guys some pictures of some mm-hmm. of my uh, culinary finds there. Yeah, yeah, the peanut butter pie looked amazing. Mm. Yeah, so you know, just a shout out to this restaurant. Actually, Pages Okra Grill in Mount Pleasant, South Carolina. Mm-hmm. If you mm-hmm. like low country Southern food? That place, everything's great. Mm. They, even had, they even had boiled peanuts on the menu, didn't they? Uh, maybe they might have had that because they, it's they have a lot of everything on there is fantastic. Mm. It's all you know. I got like fried oysters like it when I get one of My dad got mm-hmm. a shrimp place. So you you know you order shrimp uh. somewhere and you're thinking like. These little popcorn things. Six, you know, six tiny, pieces. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This was like 15 bucks. The shrimp were like the size of my pinky. Mm. Like fat, That's a big pinky, by big. the way. I'm not a little dude. So that, <laughs> <laughs> the shrimp, were, it was like massive plate of shrimp. It looked, they were mm. really well worth shrimp. the trip down to Charleston for that. Just for that. That's one of my yeah. favorite places to go down there. Wow. Mm. Yeah. I think we might, we might have to take a road trip. We, yeah. We're, we're to do like a... Guy Fietti's uh, roadmap at our own rest our own restaurants we want to do and which at the I guess you'll have big and you're gonna have to dye your hair and sure I can that, do that a spike put yeah. sunglasses backwards I'll, dri- I'll drive the hot rod car, car and you, uh, you just gotta act extremely excited I'll, I'll work on that <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that is kind of in the plans one of the the works that we have is Southern Fried Certified where we'll uh, go around and eat food and give you our critique of it it's it's in the works we're trying to work on that yeah. Uh, I'm going to ask you like I – oh, also our shout-out shout out to our new listeners, Atlanta, Albany, Austin, and Amarillo. Amarillo by morning. Um, all brought to you by the letter. Hey. Yeah. Uh, all right. I'm going to ask you like I ask you every week, Mojo, how you be darn? Man, I'm excited. I got the uh, iPhone 11 Pro Max <laughs> in today. <laughs> I saw that. Uh, yesterday, Sorry. Uh, finally got it programmed, mm-hmm. and then I dropped it in the parking lot of the podcast studio and broke the damn lens. <laughs> Is that when I heard fall out of your truck? Yep. That, oh. that was it. So, uh, yeah, and I, and I was like, all right, well, I have the insurance on it. So mm-hmm. um, I was just reading an article, uh, Closest Places to Fix My Screen, and um, uh, ironically, I knew I, 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 just like an hour after I dropped it, or I was checking it, it says Apple just made it more expensive to fix the screens, mm. so it's like, gonna, like twenty minutes ago, they made it more expensive. Something like this. Yeah. So it's gonna be three twenty nine at, min, at minimum to get my screen fixed. What? I might be switching to Android, dude. I spent six fifty eight for the entire phone. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, uh, what can I say? I, mm. yeah, how about you? Yeah. iPhone eleven, suck it. Yeah, I, evidently. Mm. Evidently, it's made of eggshells, so I, I would not. Dr- I would but not at least you it. have that screen protector at home now. Yeah, and ironically, my <laughs> wife sent me a picture of the screen protector in the case I just ordered. It was delivered by Amazon yeah, about five seconds after I dropped it. So, yeah, I don't know if that's a uh, maybe. There's a maybe there's a, a gap in the time lapse or in the matrix here, but mm-hmm. it, uh, it's not adding up. Uh, 
you think it was the screen protector because your screen is so cracked. Yeah. Uh, it could have been anything. Really, That's true. To be yeah. honest. Actually, it could have been my wife's lovely face. Uh, just like. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, hey, uh, yeah, so how you been doing? Uh, man, I'm good. Uh, Producer Brian, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. You know, I'm glad to be back. I see some um, notes here. Yeah, I got you... some notes. Uh, so, you know, I was gone for two weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think in podcast time, it may have only been one week, though. Right? Mm-hmm. This is one episode. I believe so. Space-time continuum is confusing. We'll talk to Jim about that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know what happened there. But um, I feel like I need to defend my honor as a Southerner okay. here a little bit. So I, I have a clip for you guys. I'm going to play real quick. Okay. And uh, let's see, see if this works. I'm not good at this uh, IT stuff. All right, so the uh, tiebreaker came in from Mr. Childers. Bo Jangles. He chose Bo. He's, he's a Yankee. What? Mm. Wait, what? Notice that came to Mojo. So send your email to Mojo as a B radio. Well, technically, you are a Yankee. Based on a because you're from South Carolina, exactly. I'm a as a, <laughs> to be clear, I'm from 25 minutes from where the studio is in Mooresville, North Carolina. But it says North, North. So yeah. So we lost our card. Okay, I just wanted to no. clarify. <laughs> well, that's that had to be my defense, and mm. I knew how this was going to go down. You knew what I was going to say before yeah, he even got the text. I knew it, and you know it's just like. It's well, it's like back in the day, you just call someone a Benedict Arnold. Hey, you just got to call me Yankee. And mm-hmm. that's it. So, yeah. No, I agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I, I, caught, I caught that one like, well, what are we talking about? <laughs> what is this? I have uh, redneck in my blood, too. What's up? Yeah, if you just meet my family, um, it's, it's in my blood, believe me. You might have a full set of teeth at 25. Uh, yeah. Well, that's, oh, that's yeah. Right. implants, yeah. <laughs> uh, so the other thing I was going to talk about is, you know, while I was in Charleston, I, you know, we talk about food sometimes. I'm a, mm-hmm. I'm a, I'm a, I'm not a foodie. I wouldn't say that. I just have strong opinions about the things <laughs> I eat and the things you enjoy. Eat. Yes, yeah. I enjoy. That's life. the very definition of a foodie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, you know, I was, I was out of town and my last day, uh, I, I got a burger and, you know, I was getting ready to head home. I was like, I want to get a milkshake to mm-hmm. go from this place. And I sent you guys the menu to this. This restaurant I, I was at, mm-hmm. uh, I want actually I'll see if I can pull it up because the the recipe like the milkshakes looked fantastic. So that kind of got my attention real fast. I was like, okay, what are these these uh, different um, milkshakes? Because one of them was like it was like a cookie thing where it had it was called Cookie Monster and it had all these different cookies in it, but it wasn't like what you would say like a cookies and cream milkshake. It was something a little bit different. Yeah, so um, you've got an Oreo and uh, vanilla ice cream, Oreo cookies, and more Oreo cookies. Uh, the Almond Joy, vanilla ice cream, chocolate syrup, almond syrup, and coconut. Ooh, campfire s'mores. Yeah, it was key lime pie, chocolate peanut butter brownie. Um, mm. So I ended up, so on my way out, I went, okay, I'm just going to order one of these. I got the caramel Wait. Twinkie. I was just looking at that one. I got, yes, those are, you didn't. Like, don't adjust your dial. Caramel Twinkie milkshake. Ooh. So it shows up, and I'm a little disappointed because the cup is like, it's kind of small for a $6 milkshake. You're like, that's a whole lot of diabetes. Yeah. It's six twenty-five, but it's like, $6.25. I'm expecting, like, you know, you cook out and you get a milkshake. It's uh-huh. the size $2, $3, and it's the size of your giant Chick-fil-A cup up there. It's like, mm-hmm. bam. It's Wow. So well, It's like QT. You get a 69-cent ice cream cone, and it's... Yeah, half the size of your forearm. Yeah, exactly. But this was a like six, seven dollar milkshake. So mm-hmm. I get it, and I got it to go. And I don't know if I got it for here, or if it would have been 
in a proper size milkshake okay. for my particular milkshake appetite. Got you know it. what I mean? Sure. So I get this thing, all right. I'm, I'm disappointed. I pay for it anyway. Walk out of the car. Then I taste it. Oh, my. Like, it's, it's like had a Twinkie on top, like half a Twinkie mm. just sticking on top of it. Come you on. could taste like the cake in, mm-hmm. blended in there wow. with the caramel. Mm-hmm. I didn't want anything bigger than that cup. Angel, it was angels, so, angels started singing. Yeah, there was a hallelujah chorus. Cherubs. Absolutely. Yeah. It was Oof. absolutely fantastic. I want one again just now thinking about it. Mm. Like, <laughs> I've had a lot of milkshakes in my day, but this thing right. was unreal. Mm. Worth, I should have paid $10 for it. But. Now, Goodness. absent of the, like the Twinkie and stuff, would the milkshake actually had been good also? Yeah, I mean, the Twinkie was an afterthought. So yeah. that just kind of fell to the bottom of the cup and I ate it at the end. It was, oh, it's a Twinkie. But the Twinkie in, like the ice cream was good. The caramel was really, like lots uh, of caramel I like in there. Car- I like caramel. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. one of the, my flavor. I like, I love caramel stuff. I'm more of a caramel guy than yeah. a chocolate yeah. guy. Hmm. This thing, so it was, I think it's called Billy's like burger joint in North Charleston. The burger was not bad. I got a, what's it called? I want a Leia. <laughs> It's a Hawaiian, Hawaiian You're making me hungry. Yeah, yeah you're making me yeah, want to eat. Um, it's a, it was, the burger was good, too. Mm. It wasn't the best burger I ever ate, but it was, it was good. It was a good burger yeah. for whatever I paid for that on it. So I just had to share that milkshake because yeah, no, I wish I could share the milkshake. Did it bring oh, all the I boys to the yard? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It brought at least one. Yeah, I was in that yard. Mm. I want to share my parenting fail already with a small batch they are a new foster kid. Um, this is today is the first day in which uh, my wife and or my mother in law did not take her in the morning for her morning feeding. Uh, so I'm taking foster kid number one to school. My wife is finally getting enough sleep because she's got to work today. Uh, all the other times she took off, so she could kind of you know get up and then take a nap later. But not so I'm going to be really nice, the great husband that I am. Put small batch in the car you know, the car carrier or whatever, car seat, uh, and and get foster kid one, and we start going to the school, which is about 20 minutes away. Um, so as I'm pulling out of the driveway, small batch starts crying. I'm like, eh, okay, no no big deal. Um, and then uh, I was like, hey, you know, go over there, get her pacifier, st- stick it in her mouth, and, and be fine. So I drive the 20 minutes, and she's, you know, every once in a while is a little, little feisty whatever. Um, I did not plan on him being not in the car when I was going home. <laughs> so here's the problem. Mm-hmm. I re- I look at the, he gets out of the car, he goes to school, then I realize it's time for feeding, and I'm in the school go home or you know drop off car line. ride line. Yeah, and and oh no, here it comes, and she starts wailing, and I can't do anything about it. She's back there, it's turned turned around. I, there's no way I'm going to do anything. I'm like, all right, here we go, kid. We got to go. So uh, I finally get to, to start moving. I get to where my first turn is, red light. All right, here we go. This is getting louder and louder every second that I'm in this car. Hit the uh, hit the ne- next turn, red light. Oh, God, dang a bear. Uh, then I get on the main road. I'm flying down, and guess what? School bus. Come on! You're killing me. Right and and no lie, uh, keep going further. Here comes a train. <laughs> While she's screaming, I want to like kick myself in the head. Was there a school of ducks after that? Just like no, the street? but okay. like and and I keep hitting the red lights. Like how this can't go any worse? I'm trying to be the nice guy, 
why am I getting cursed with every possible scenario of not being able to take her and get her home? So I, I get home. This is the first time I put her in the car seat. I have no idea how to get the thing out. <laughs> so I'm like five minutes in there like, get out. I'm ripping everything I possibly can out. I got to go put the whole car seat back in. Uh, finally, it's like you know hanging on by a thread. I can't do anything else. So I just rip open the top. I just take her out. It's hanging. It literally is hanging out of the door. <laughs> I don't even care to shut the door. So I'm running upstairs, I, and, I, and I have to make the bottle. So I'm like, I have to wait two minutes for that little the thing to, to to go off to the bottle warmer. That goes off, and I just shove that thing as fast as I can in her mouth. My ears, there was blood coming from my ears. I couldn't take it anymore. Oh, parenting fail number one today. I'm going to have to teach you how to make the uh, redneck bottle holder device or uh, device I would make for Larkin mm. uh, that would actually feed her in the uh, car seat. Just where, stra- strap it. You can actually strap it um, to where, depending upon your car carrier, but mm-hmm. some of them you can actually keep handle up a little bit mm-hmm. and you you bungee cord mm. a bottle to where it drip, it hangs down. Where were you this morning? <laughs> All you had to do was call. All you do is call, boo. So, <laughs> oh my gosh, I was I was in my head. I was like, okay, there's a Harris Teeter there. I'm gonna go in and just buy whatever and just just give it to her. I was so scared. <laughs> That's what Cheetos get. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know you're six weeks old, but here have it. Have a flaming hot Dorito. <laughs> like it was just good gracious. So that was that was my fun time of the day. Guys, I'm I'm horrible at this parenting thing. Yeah, I think uh, we all are. Mm. It, it I, takes time. Yeah. I called uh, the nurses station at the local hospital at least once a night. Mm-hmm. You know, check it, like making sure, like how, how many breaths should my daughter be taking? <laughs> uh, it, she has green poop. Is that normal? Yeah. I mean, because or the black stuff, you know. Oh yeah, the black sticky like yeah tar. Mm-hmm. I don't know, you may have missed out on some of that being her so late, but yeah, I've heard about it. You don't wait well, you on that. You yeah. don't wait on that diaper. You change it quick. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> that thing will run you out of house and home. They don't come oh, off. Lord. Like on the on a real estate resale guide, you have to check if you if it was a previous meth lab or meth was, and also uh-huh. baby yeah. baby toddler myconium yeah, diapers or whatever. Myconium, yeah, that's what it was. Oh, Oof, good gracious, rough stuff. Mm. All right, so let's go into some wacky news brought to you by 1812 Barbecue. If you want a catered meal by with some of the best barbecue, check out our friends at 1812 Barbecue. By the way, I went to the uh, 1812. Uh, I saw them at the architecture thing this past week. I posted a picture. Guys, this is legit. It's really good food. You missed out? I missed out. I saw the picture. Yeah, it's like, I mean, I— you were I had having the milkshake. Well, I get, yeah, I had the milkshake. I mm-hmm. had the peanut butter pie. Mm-hmm. You had the brisket. Yeah. So we're even. We're even. You had <laughs> you said that as well. Um, seriously, legitimately, though, that was the best mac and cheese I've ever had in my entire life. Uh, the, the sides are legit. I didn't have any sides, but I did have the brisket. The brisket mm-hmm. was good. Yeah. And in fact, I'm probably going to go home and eat some more tonight. <laughs> How many pounds of that brisket do you have still? <laughs> well, our our, uh, our buddy Hussein, uh, who's now been recoined Bob, because I got t- I got tired of telling people his name was Hussein. It's way so, easier to spell. So yeah, so he's now Bob at the shop. Uh, he I think he picked up like a side of brisket, which was like maybe seven hundred eighteen pounds. So yeah, we're slowly making <laughs> through. <of> it. <laughs> Uh, it is it is good uh, good brisket. A man in Scotland has been ordered to perform seventy five hours of community service after intentionally passing gas 
as police officers conducted a body cavity search. Uh, responding to a vehicle collision, uh, they noticed that he, the uh, defendant was speaking to the other driver after the car. After observing a strong marijuana or odor, they decided to put him in custody. They took him uh, to the jail. He started. They started to do a strip search, and Cook quote deliberately farted in the direction of the officer three times, stating, "How do you like that?" <laughs> uh, his defense attorney said that it was just a normal thing that he was just you know trying to he, he couldn't help himself uh, passing gas, but the fact that he was wafting it over to the direction of the police, uh, they did not believe that defense. Um, man, that has, must have been some assault farts. Assault farts, is it? Can can you be charged? I think uh, I I think this is is beyond ridiculous. I mean, come <laughs> on, this is a misabuse of power by the police department. Come on, pansies. Uh, it says this isn't the first time the police have brought charges for breaking wind. In two thousand eight, a thirty four year old Jose Cruz was pulled over in West Virginia without driving with his headlights on. Uh, he failed multiple sobriety tests, and they arrested him. And they charged him with battery. Battery. That seems a little little harsh. And you said this was for, for – he was getting a full cavity search. A full, yeah. So they're already like breaking the seal, right? Right. I mean – yeah. Oh, that's a good point. You know, like if, if you've ever been to the doctor and had to have it checked, yeah, you, you know, push air up the O-ring. Bend over, yeah. say, ah, mm-hmm. you know, one of those situations, you can't completely control everything that happens after that. I'll I, be honest. I, I – Talked to our, or I went over to see CJ, our friend, uh, the chiropractor. He's been on the show. Man, I had to squeeze every ounce of energy into my buttocks so that I would not pass gas while he oh, was adjusting. adjusted. <laughs> yeah, that was the worst. Mm. I was struggling on that one. Assault farts. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Press charges. Hey, we have. Don't worry. This is, sounds like something that Met County and Charlotte would do. They let you know accused. Pedophiles and rapists, murders out. But hey, we, we're going to press charges against the guy who farts on the officer. Mm. The eighteen twelve barbecue story started over twenty years ago when Eric and his dad started entering local barbecue competitions for fun. During that time, Eric, a United States Marine, has traveled all over the world picking up flavors and techniques that today is the unique flavor of the award-winning eighteen twelve barbecue. He has honed his craft to bring you the fall-off-the-bone pulled pork, the mouth-watering ribs, and finely crafted beef brisket. Eric has developed his own amazing dry rub and delicious barbecue sauce. And let's not forget those sides. With the coleslaw, smoked Gouda mac and cheese, cowboy baked beans, and to top it all off, banana pudding and pecan pie for dessert. Getting hungry yet? Good! Call or email Eric at 1812-BARBECUE and he can make your next catered meal happen. Weddings, graduation parties, family reunions, and other events will be memorable with 1812-BARBECUE. Want to try your hand at smoking meats? Pick up your own 1812 dry rub and start the journey for yourself. Shipping all over the world, connect with Eric on his Facebook page, Instagram at 1812-BARBECUE, or call 704-604-5148. That's 704-604-5148 and email eric at eric.line at 1812bbq.com and he will be glad to help. Next story, a woman dies at 102 and DirecTV charges her an early termination fee. (laughs) Hmm. 
No pun intended. San Lorenzo, California. Isabel Albright of San Lorenzo was among the oldest people living in America. Uh, she lived through two world wars, 18 presidents, seven moon landings. She was born before the television and the Internet was uh, invented. Ironically, she did not outlive her satellite TV contract. Uh, everything was fine until they went to disconnect. That's when the surprises happened. They realized that uh, she got an upgrade um, a year ago, and they automatically gave her a two-year extension on her uh, contract. And because she died, they failed to pay, and a early termination fee ensued after that. $160. For that, she probably also owes, owes late fees to Blockbuster. Oh, <laughs> uh, they said uh, DirecTV has now since apologized and said that that has been. Uh, Did they waive the fee though? They waived the fee. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So, I thought that was kind of funny. That's just crazy that that. I guess I don't know. You know, corporate peons don't always think before they, or the system just charged yeah. on you know how many customer service people did they talk to. To get that waived, or is that oh, when yeah. it, was it when it hit Twitter? No, and yeah. the evening news went. Oh, we messed up there. You know? In this case, she actually <laughs> had to call the news. Uh, the you know how they have those action, action whatever. Yeah, I'm on your side type thing. They actually had to get them involved for them to to go through it. So again, if you would have just had a you know good customer service at the beginning, you wouldn't have to get the news involved and then you know have the bad PR and everything else. How many people die in America every day? And how I'm, you know, and what I'm, I'm just well. No, what I'm saying, yeah, let me follow yeah. the logic. How many people die every day in America? Mm-hmm. How many of those people actually are a subscriber to Direct 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 TV? Mm-hmm. So you think Direct TV would have some type of protocol in place because they they have it by this truth never happened before. Yeah, this ain't a first <laughs> yeah. time thing. I mean, yeah. how many how many times they rack up on this early termination fee? Yeah, that's how they paid most of the. I guess that's how they that's how they, the, they subsidized leaving the those dishes on the houses when they, when oh, they yeah. stopped. Oh, yeah, I've still got mine. I don't have direct TV anymore. Yeah. I think I got a direct and dish. <laughs> <laughs> They're battling it out. Uh all right, so let's go to some hot topics brought to you by um by Watchman Cigars. If you want a quality cigar at a reasonable price, check out our friends at Watchman Cigars. Um we had Leon over for our DCBC this past week and he brought the pecan pie. I don't think that's the original the real name. Pecan rum coffee. Oh, there's something else. Something. Pecan coffee rum. Anyway, it's little Debbie cake. It's Twinkie. rice krispie treat is what we called it because mm-hmm. the wrapper smells like rice krispie mm-hmm. treats. Yeah. Uh, this is dessert stick, as he would call it. Oh my it. gosh! <sighs> I had uh, Mojo. I picked you one up, and I had it in the office. For two days, and my entire office smells like this. It's like a Yankee candle. I mean, it is fantastic. Like, it is a really, really, really good cigar. Maybe he should, maybe he should come out with some potpourri for Christmas and he, time. And he brought us, <laughs> like, a, a little tub that just came out of a barrel. Like, mm-hmm. they were still a little bit moist, like mm-hmm. super fresh. Mm-hmm. And the, the whole porch smelled like this. When yeah. Nice. Thing. It was amazing. Yeah. It was fantastic. So it check it out. Good cigar, too. Yeah. All right, so we talked about this before. California will now allow college athletics to profit under endorsements from a bill signed by Newsom. So we talked about this before. The bill will allow any uh, college athlete to be paid for any endorsements, any likeness uses, or whatnot. Um, 
overriding the NCAA rule that they are not allowed to get it because of, um, you know, being a pro athlete, being getting paid for, for playing. Uh, the Senate bill was actually passed and signed, and now it's in the NCAA's hands courts of how they're going to respond. Uh, that bill is also being uh, duplicated right now. I, sources tell me in Kentucky they're trying to get this thing done as fast, as quickly as they can. Also, North Carolina will also be a big player in this as well. What I think and what I wanted to talk about is – in California, when this was proposed by Senator Nancy Skinner, um, the University of California, um, Stanford, USC, they all opposed this beer, this bill getting passed. So it wasn't for the college athletes. It was the colleges were not even wanting to do this. Now the state has circumvented their wishes and they're just going to go full board on it. It says, I have deep reverence and deep respect for the NCAA and college athletes. I just think that the system has been perverted, and this is fundamentally about rebalancing things. It's all about um, equality, it's about fairness, and it's about time. So not even the colleges want this thing to pass, and they went ahead and passed it. So the college athlete will have the right to sell their likeness. Right, get endorsement deals. So on and so forth. Where's the fairness in it? They're talking about bringing the fairness back, correct? Right. That. Well, what, what, I mean, do you think Johnny Q. Public, who sits on the bench every week, is going to be able to sell his likeness for the same price as like a Zion Williamson? Mm-hmm. How's it going to be? Yeah. I mean, Zion Williamson is going to be, you know, he's not in college anymore, but right. you have Zion who can sell his likeness for $1.2 million, mm-hmm. and you got Johnny Cracker that's sitting on the bench. <laughs> I can, wouldn't necessarily call him Johnny Cracker out of the gate. Well, why not? <laughs> But you know, Sam. Gosh, you guys want to edit my stuff. Out no, anyway, no, so. it's fine. But, it's uh, funny. But I'm, I'm just saying that you guys who, who might earn five dollars in a pack of gum every week. Right. How's that fair? You yeah. know, Zion's gonna be driving a Bugatti. Mm-hmm. Johnny's on the bench. You know, trying to scrape coins up from all his friends to go to Popeyes and stay in line for a chick mythical chicken sandwich. <laughs> yeah, and it's gonna be interesting to see how the NCA is gonna respond. They said that. Um, as more states consider their own specific legislation to this related topic, it is clear that a patchwork of different laws from different states will make it unattainable the, uh, to the goal of providing a fair and level playing field for 1,100 campuses and nearly half a million student-athletes nationwide. So one is saying it's not fair. The NCAA is saying that's not fair. So uh, this is going to be – it's going to change college athletics dramatically. Kudos to uh, to Gavin Newsom of California, the governor there, because not only has he ru- he ruined San Francisco with <laughs> you know pooping on the street is now legal, um, but now he's about to ruin collegiate basketball or sports there too mm-hmm. in the state because um, you never know you might have NCAA may have to make a, a decision to patchwork the NCAA and you know they may have to develop another organization mm-hmm. to house the states that are trying to do this. I mean. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it, it not only did like I said, not only did he ruin San Francisco with automatically crapping, but he's almost he's almost he's also cra- uh, crapped on the collegiate <laughs> collegiate athletes too. Yeah. So, okay, educate me here. Isn't mm-hmm. the NCAA like a private organization, or is it? It's not publicly. It's not like a. That's a great question. So um, I'm just wondering how like a state can impose its will on the private. Sector. Well, it's an, it's an organization, right, that they're part of. So 
the NCAA has these rules, but to be part of the NCAA, to get the benefits from the NCAA, um, you have to abide by these these rules. So if you decide you're not going to do that, then the NCAA will just kick you out. And it really is just going to be for sports, um, in this case for everything but football, because the NCAA doesn't do anything for the college football um, sport. It's just everything else. So, But you think Stanford, UCLA – um, and basketball and baseball, I mean, they're really good at those sports. So mm. I wonder who, who's it hurt worse if the NCAA is being is stubborn, stubborn and says, "Okay, Stanford, you're not in the NCAA anymore." Who well, does that? Who does that affect the most? Does it affect yeah. the school? Does it hurt them more than it hurts the sport? I mean, yeah. do those the students? Oh, well, I'm not going to the school in California anymore. I'm going to head to Utah or something. Well, I think it's going to be the other way around. I think the student that could go to Kentucky Duke will go to UCLA because they're going to get paid. We'll stack the deck. Yeah, but they're also not going to get the TV endorsements, you know, from the NCAA. They're not going to be able to do any of that. So I don't know. I mean, it could balance out. But, I mean, if if I could get paid for doing what I'm going to do in college, for you know, and get a million dollars and I have to go to another school that doesn't, pay for that mm, that's going to be a tough call what do you think Mojo? everything is terrible <laughs> <laughs> all right well if you are in the market for a high quality cigar for a very reasonable price you must check out watchman cigars watchman cigars is a family-owned business that puts the customer first with the best customer service in the business Watchman Cigars offers the Habano for a full spicy flavor, the Connecticut for a mild, easy-to-smoke option, and the Maduro for a strong, powerful experience. They even do specialty blends and partner with you to provide a custom, exclusive line just for you. Watchman Cigars has all your cigar needs. Follow them on Facebook and Instagram at Watchman Cigars 1991 or email Leon directly at Watchman underscore cigars at yahoo.com that's watchman underscore cigars at yahoo.com or check out the sponsors section of our website uh speaking of things that are terrible uh southerns we can insult people Mm -hmm. very nicely uh there's an article yankee (laughs) the southern thing (laughs) that says these are thinly veiled insults from the south i want to get your thoughts on them. 13 of them uh I just love how you don't care what people think. <laughs> That's basically saying you don't care about nothing, do you? That could be taken many ways. It could be taken like, "Hey, you got a, you got a big, you got a brass pair there." Mm. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, yeah. I don't think that that one's not terrible. I don't think terrible, terrible. The next one, I lost. Uh, you lost ten pounds. What a wonderful start. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah, that's nice if you like that sort of thing. <laughs> how many times I I probably tell my daughter that in a week. She, how do you like my clothes? Well, it's nice if you like those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of, of course the traditional bless your heart. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I almost I said that when you gave your baby story. That story. is like mm. that. <laughs> no, but bless your heart is that's like saying that's like taking the Lord's name in vain mm. in the in the middle of church revival. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. If you're if you're attuned to it, mm-hmm. that's what it means. Yeah. Uh, the other one is uh, thank you for sharing. 
<laughs> I don't really care what you're saying. Uh, God love him. That's also uh, another one. Like, uh, oh, he's special. Uncle Ray Ray. Mm-hmm. God love God him. I love him. <laughs> I like this one. Dinner was good. I must have been hungry. <laughs> Im- implying that That's like a... Implying that if you weren't, it wasn't weren't good. Hungry, yeah. I just was really hungry. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. yeah they could also they could also be taken in a positive way too. Because I've had people that you invite over mm-hmm. that you have like you know an eight by ten casserole dish full, mm-hmm. and then they eat everything. Yeah. So you know yeah. that delicious. I'm gonna put it somewhere. That that reminds me of uh, our new Patreon subscriber, uh, Jack Waller, who will eat an entire eight by ten pound whole Waller. Right? Yeah. <laughs> That's, hey, I, w- that was pancakes for twelve. Where do they go? Uh, Jack's over there. Yeah. <laughs> Jack yeah. ate them. Uh, all right, that blouse makes you look slimmer. Mm. Mm. See, uh. I, I look fat. And everything else. Uh, this skirt is too big for me. Do you want it? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh, you got your hair done. What color do they call that? <laughs> I like this one because I've heard it. Uh, I hope you kept the receipt for that. Oh. Um, this one I don't get. I bet those shoes are comfortable. I don't, yeah, uh, that, that means basically if you're being a sassy, you know what? Mm-hmm. I bet those. Are, I bet you're happy in those shoes because you know you're or you're comfortable wearing them just because you're you're basically being a sassy. You know some some gotcha. women say style is pain. Like if it looks nice, it doesn't it can't be comfortable. Gotcha. Yeah. But also, okay. it's, it's also standing in your position too. A lot of times, mm-hmm. you know, whatever position you hold, and mm-hmm. if you just you hold your ground time, got so it. it. Okay, it, it can possibly Ooh. mean that too. Gotcha. I'm track. I'm tracking on you. And uh, last but not least, uh, is that the look that you were going for? <laughs> <laughs> I said this to my daughter last night before a concert. I had to track her too. Sure. Oh, how was that? She goes, "How's this look?" Well, if you're trying to dress like that, if you're aiming that way, mm-hmm. then you nailed it. Yeah. And when we come back, we'll have Jim Harold. Jim Harold does podcasting for a living and does some of the best paranormal uh, podcasts out there. We're getting ready and amped up for Halloween, and he uh, produces the paranormal podcast. And the Campfire Podcast, both of which I uh, subscribe to and I like. So uh, we'll be right back. You're listening to the Southern Fried Philosophy Podcast. All right. So um, thank you for tuning back into the Southern Fried Philosophy Podcast. Uh, On the phone with us, we have uh, the man, the myth, the legend himself, Jim Harold. Jim started his podcasting career on the paranormal in 2005. The Paranormal Podcast and Campfire Today remain some of the most popular podcasts in the genre. Jim has developed a loyal following that spans the entire globe. He also hosts a series of premium podcasts on the supernatural and related subjects at jimheraldplus.com. Uh, he's also a notorious uh, best-selling author on the supernatural books as well. He's got five campfire books that are out, also available at Kindle and jimheraldbooks.com. Uh, Both Jim's flagship programs have reached an all-time top 100 on Apple iTunes. Campfire has reached as high as 32, and the Paranormal Podcast has reached up to 60. Uh, Not to toot our own horn, but uh, I checked our charts the other day. We are number 32 as well in comedy. However, we're in Kuwait. So (laughs) so there's that. (laughs) 
Uh, Jim also holds a master's degree in applied communication theory and methodology and is accredited as a certified digital media consultant by the Radio Advertising Bureau. You've also had the opportunity to teach at the university level. Jim's free podcasts are available anywhere podcasts are sold, and the Plus content is, again, available at jimheraldplus.com. Jim, again, thank you so much for joining the Southern Fried Philosophy Podcast. Well, thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much, and uh, good to, good to speak to you. By the way, the shows are not number thirty two now. I can assure oh. you that was a, that was all time high, but but uh, they were there at one point. But yeah. uh, hey, you know, th- there's podcast listeners in Kuwait too, so that's cool. <laughs> Evidently, they don't have a lot of comedy in Kuwait, so that's why we're number thirty two. <laughs> maybe maybe we're not comedy. Maybe we're actually controversial there. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, Jim, you host, again, the Campfire Stories and Paranormal Podcast. Uh, We are gearing up here for Halloween. How busy of a time of the year is it for you guys? It's the busiest time because uh, I'm a lot of people ask me to be on shows like this. And thank you again, guys. I appreciate it. And uh, we're we're trying to do more. We do a little bit of live video. so, yeah, it's a really busy time. It's a fun time of year because the thing is, is that, you know, we have our diehards who love the paranormal mm-hmm. and you get those 12 months, you know, 24 or 365. Sure. But the thing is, is that this time of the year, everybody gets into it. So it's a great time to bring in new people and introduce them to the shows and and so forth. So, uh, yeah, it's great. <laughs> it's like the Travel Channel now. Like every show is about ghosts and paranormal and and scary. Right. It's our Super Bowl. <laughs> it is. <laughs> what initially drew you to the paranormal? When I was a little kid back in 1912, I mean, you know, <laughs> back in like the <laughs> 70s, a real little kid in element, very small, extremely small. Uh, in elementary school, there was this TV show called In Search Of with Leonard Nimoy. And okay. I got hooked on that. Then I started going to the library and getting out all the paranormal books I could get. And it remained a lifelong uh, fascination until uh, until I be- began podcasting. And uh, it, it's just been something that's been with me the whole way. So it fascinates me. And even though I've done over 2,000 episodes uh, of all my combined shows, I'm still fascinated by it. So that's kind of cool. Does it ever get old, like hearing an- another story that you're like, oh, I've heard this a thousand times? Well, I mean, sometimes you get you do any job, you get tired. I mean, I think <laughs> sure. if I said that um, it, you don't get tired sometimes, that would be disingenuous. But I got to tell you, the cool thing, for example, Campfire, which is basically my true ghost story podcast. There's other things like UFOs and cryptids and things like that, but a lot of ghost stories. As soon as they think, uh you know, I've heard it all. There's not going to be anything new. Mm-hmm. And then somebody will say they got a phone call from Jesus, which we had right. just last week. Um, I'd never heard that before. So, I mean, the thing <laughs> is, is that the cool thing is there's always something different with this stuff. And and when I first started all this, I thought, oh, you know, that back into back in 1912, I mean, 2005, <laughs> I thought this will be great. I'll interview these people for six months and I'll have it all figured out. Well, the thing is, is I have more questions now. I'm more mm. confused about what's going on. I'm more convinced, though, <laughs> than ever that there is something going on. Mm. That's good. Uh, I actually uh, heard you first the first time on Coast to Coast AM, and one of the things that really drew me to um, to you is just your voice. Like, you've got an amazing, comforting voice. Like, I kind of want you on my bedside, by my bedside, you know, when I pass away, just because your voice is so soothing. Um 
Oh my! Yeah. Well, I've never. I've been told I put many people to sleep, but I never heard anybody <laughs> wanted me to lull them into uh, the Grim Reaper's arms before. <laughs> well, I enjoy it, um, but you have to. And obviously, in your bio, you've you've come through and you've done radio before. What sparked your interest in radio originally? Well, let me be clear. My uh, my background actually in radio was on the advertising okay. side. I was not on air, but. I had gone to school for broadcasting. So back in the early 90s when I started in the radio business, it was either going to be radio or TV. What we were told, and this is really pre-internet, was go somewhere and get a job. Doesn't matter what it is. It could be getting the boss coffee. It could be sweeping the floors with something that has call letters on it, right? So Mm -hmm. I got a job being a sales assistant at a radio station. And then I started looking. It's like, well, I get to write copy and do these cool things, and the air talent makes this. And the salespeople make that. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. And I kind of fell into sales that way. Although, I mean, that the upper echelon's talent are very well paid, but a lot of talent, frankly, are not well paid in media. Mm. And I think everybody, there's this misconception that everybody who cracks a mic is wealthy. Yeah. And that's it's not at all the case. There's some very talented people that really don't get rewarded the way they should. Of course, mm-hmm. there's people at the upper end who make boatloads of money. But <laughs> sure. um, and that was a smaller station. So I got to do a lot of different things. So I was kind of in it because I was writing copy and so forth. I'd even voice an occasional spot, not much. But um, then when as I went to bigger stations and I realized that was an outlier and you really – they didn't want you in the studio. They didn't really want you writing that much copy. They wanted you sell, sell, sell. And, uh, you know, uh, that wasn't mm-hmm. my idea of a good time, although that yeah. has been uh, very valuable. As I've started my own media company with this. Yeah. It's been very valuable in, in actually putting the shows out. Yeah, that was going to actually lead me to the next question is why, and I guess you kind of answered it, is why do you – not try to go to the radio and you go the podcasting route. What's the difference between those two? Well, it's basically, I put it simply, you can sail your own ship. I mean, (laughs) basically what I do now is very much like owning my own little radio station. And I wear all the hats. I have a part-time assistant who helps me out. Well, actually, I have two time uh, part-time people now who help me out. And... Uh, but I get to call the shots. And as I was telling somebody the other day, you know, the thing that I love about it is that <clears throat> if I have an idea, I can try yeah. it. And sometimes they work and sometimes they don't, but I don't have somebody telling me I can't mm. do it. And the truth is, if I had gone back in 2005, mm. right, and went to, well, I was working for a radio station at the time, but if I'd gone to, let's say I wasn't, I went to a local radio station and said, you know, I want to do a... Uh, do a show on the paranormal. Why don't you, you know, let me mm-hmm. on. That wasn't going to happen. Or they would have said, oh, well, yes, for $700 a week, we have this lovely spot for you at 630 in the morning on Sundays. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so it first of all, it gave you access to do it. And then once I feel I became competent, and that took mm-hmm. a while, um, if some people would say I've still not reached no. that. But, but, nevertheless, <laughs> but nevertheless, uh, it allowed me to try different things. And just as I said, some of them work spectacularly and some of them failed spectacularly, mm. but it was my call, not somebody else's. No, nice. nice. I've been sitting here trying to think of uh, whose voice does your sound very familiar with? Because you know, you're talking about the soothing aspect. Mm-hmm. You know, you listen to different podcasts for different reasons and the tempo or 
the texture of the voice. You, you remind me of Dan Carlin from Dan Carlin's Hard History. That is a huge compliment. Oh, Thank you. In fact, Dan Carlin was, and he doesn't know this, but was very important in my really getting going seriously in podcasting because I started in 2005, but I was kind of dabbling. Mm. And I was listening to Dan Carlin specifically, and he had an advertiser. And I had started, at that time, I'd started a job at CBS, uh, the local cluster in my area of the country. It's now Intercom. But, um, and I was a digital sales manager, so I was in in charge of internet sales before anybody was streaming, which was a horrible, now it would be great, but uh, then it was pretty, it was a tough sell, a sell to sell people internet advertising for a radio station. They didn't, they didn't get it. It was kind of ahead of its <laughs> yeah. time. But the thing was, is I was sitting at my oldest daughter's t-ball game, and to tell you how long that go that is, she is now in her third year of college. And this is 2008, dabbled with the shows and done shows between 05 and 08, but I put out a show and wait three months and put out another one. And Dan Carlin, he's sponsored by, I think it was Audible at the time. Hmm. And uh, I told my wife, I said, you know, this job with CBS is a good job, but it's not my life's work. It's not what I'd hoped. I thought it was going to be the be all and end all job. Hmm. That would lead me to great things in the radio industry mm-hmm. on the business side. And I said, you know, but I'm beating my head against the wall with this job. It's going decently, but it's not it's not my passion. And yet I open up my email and I get several emails every week. I haven't put a show up for six months, but people want to hear the show. So it's like there's really something here. I'm going to give it six months mm. and put out a show every week and see what happens. Strangely enough. And that sixth month, I get an email from someone wanting to sponsor the show. It was Audible. It was the same ones that were sponsoring Dan Carlin at the time, although they were sponsoring a lot of podcasts. But that was kind of the kick in the pants I needed from the universe. It said, you know what? Go with this for a while Mm. and see what happens. And I did. And eventually I was uh, able to to go full time with it. But I would have never had thought that that was going to be possible in the early days. Never. Mm. How much has it changed since 2005 to where you're at now? I mean, as far as the uh, podcasting, things like that, as far as uh, crowd, the audience? Well, it used to be, uh, you when you said you did a podcast, you would get... Uh, um, you would get a reaction of what's a podcast, or if they knew what it was, they'd say, "Oh, isn't that?" Cute? <laughs> <laughs> Especially my radio friends, they were kind of like, "Oh, that's nice." He goes home and he plays radio. How cute is that? Um, now all the big radio companies are investing millions of dollars, mm-hmm. and the thing is, as I say this, and this is not to discourage any new podcasters at all, because some people could do it. I was very fortunate. I was in on the early wave, and that gave me uh, a lot of early adopter advantage. Like if you Google paranormal podcast, I come up like in most of the main top slots. Mm-hmm. Obviously, if I started today, I wouldn't have gotten that name, and B, it would be very hard to replicate. So I was fortunate in that way, but it is really – there's a joke that will uh, um, illustrate what I'm talking about here. Four podcasters walk into a bar and they walk up to the bartender and uh, the bartender says, want to hear my podcast? (laughs) You know, there's so many people that have podcasts now. So it's kind of the opposite situation is 
Before it was, nobody knew what it was. Now everybody wants to do it, which is fine, which is great. And there's some great new podcasts out there. But the, the, the thing is now it's almost overcrowded. Mm-hmm. So it's very tough to cut through. And it's even tough for an old, an old guy like me to cut through. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we just keep plugging and trying to, I mean, I'm always trying to improve. I just literally bought a new mic. I'm tweaking my sound. I mean, I'm always trying to get better because the competition is getting stiffer. And, uh, you know, big, these huge broadcasting conglomerates mm. with the uh, extreme talent, extreme equipment, and extreme engineers and all these things, they're coming to the fore. So I'm always trying to get a little bit better, just a little bit better every show. It almost sounds like multi-level marketing. If you get in the ground floor now, You'll be able to make it. You'll make so much money. You too, yes. <laughs> what? But nobody's paying me commissions. But, <laughs> but then, <laughs> Jim, what was the moment where you realized you kind of touched a little bit on it? Is like I'm going to be able to do this full time. Oh, that's easy. Um, 2008, I started uh, with the paranormal podcast in a very strong way. 2005, I really started, but. 2008, it was like every week. I mean, basically every week since 2008, I've put out at least one podcast. Mm. Now, and in most weeks, many more than that. But 2011, I had heard of people like Cliff Ravenscraft and some other people doing membership sites. And I thought, you know, this might be another way to earn money, to put out exclusive content just for members. And this was before Patreon existed. Mm. So I said, you know what? I'm going to start a, a membership site and, and like paid podcasts, which now there's multiple ways you can do it. Then you kind of had to create your own um, your own method. I used a, something called Wishlist Member uh, on my WordPress mm-hmm. site. But um, basically what ended up happening was is that um, first day I got somewhere between 150 to 200 members. Oh, wow. And that was it. It was February of 2011. At that point, I knew, yep, I think this could be a full-time mm. thing. And I, and at that point, I was doing four or five podcasts a week and working a full-time job. Oh, wow. And I told my wife, I said, something's got to give here. You know, I can do this for a while. And I was a little younger back then. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and I said, I can do this for a while, but I can't do this indefinitely. So... Let's see how it goes. And the membership kept building up and the advertising started to build up somewhat. And to where came, you know, if I could work on this, well, I probably work between 50 and 60 hours a week. If I, mm. if I work on this full time, I can make a go of this. Mm. So that's, uh, that's how it happened. So, um, and then in June of 2012, I was able to go full time. So I feel very blessed, very thankful. My wife, a lot of people would have said, are you kidding me? But she was great, and it's worked out fantastic. So from the 2008 the membership side to 2012 is when – how long it took to build that kind of Well, uh, to, to build – it really was 2011. And within a year and a half, I'd built it where I wasn't quite replacing my income, but I was close enough we could take a shot. And uh, I surpassed my regular income relatively shortly after that. And it's it's built from there. And again – I'm not a millionaire. I make a middle-class living, mm-hmm. um, and it builds a little bit every year. So, I, I mean, if anybody says, well, I want to get into podcasting to get rich, 
you that you might do it. Mm. I can't. I would <laughs> never say it's not possible. I mean, I, I know some uh, folks who listen to my show and have like a viral podcast hit, and they're touring and everything. Mm. Um, but that's the exception rather than the rule. Um, I think it's like uh, you're gonna. The average person, if you if you're not an Adam Carolla or a Mac a Mark Marin or whoever that might be, if you don't already have a a large audience or platform or base of people, uh, you're gonna have to build it over time. It's 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 like investing in a like a slow growth stock. Mm. Uh, it's not like one of these hockey stick things. At least it wasn't for me, and I think for most people it isn't. And I think that's why sometimes people get discouraged because they're like, you know. Oh, I got to do this. You know, I, I did my show for four years before making a penny. Now things are different now though. There's a lot of money floating mm. around there. Uh, <laughs> if you find the right venture capitalist, I guess, and you've got the right concept, but um, I, I don't think you get into, it's kind of like being a musician. Somebody, I think Dave Jackson, the, the famous podcaster about podcasting said, you know, you don't necessarily start playing the guitar because, you think you're going to become a millionaire off of it. That that kind of develops over time and the opportunities develop over time. Mm. So anyway, but it is possible. Hey, it's it's doable. Yeah, it's it's funny when you look at like the new podcasts that are coming out and just to hit ten, you know, a, a new podcast coming out that hits episode ten, that seems like a, a big deal, you know, and because uh, you see them start and stop so quickly because I don't think people realize how much effort and time that it takes to get it up and running. Well, I was interviewing, a, <clears throat> I do a show called pod Lords, mm-hmm. which is, uh, and this is one I do actually, it's funny. It's a business podcast, more of a business podcast, but it's for fun. It's about, um, podcasting. So interviewing a gentleman who had been a, a program director, I think up in Canada for 20 years. And now he's a podcaster. And I commented that um, I'm surprised more radio people don't get into it. And he said, you know, it's a kind of different skill set. Yeah, the on-air is important, but there's a lot of things you have to do. And a lot of those things, you know, at a radio station are you press a button or if you have a problem, you call the engineer or whatever Mm -hmm. it might be. You've got to have kind of a well-rounded skill set to be a successful podcaster, I think, unless you're working for one of these big companies that take care of all that stuff for you. But that's usually if you are the, you know, Mark Marin or Adam Carolla, although that's really his own company. Um, so uh, I, I think it is harder to be successful. I often say the key to my success is my mediocrity. <laughs> and the reason I say that is because, you know, I'm mediocre at ad sales. I'm mediocre on the air. I'm mediocre as an editor. I'm mediocre as an engineer. I'm mediocre with IT. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can kind of get by in all of those aspects where some people may be fantastic on the air, but they, you know, I was talking recently to a friend of mine who was a tremendous radio person and he, he was trying to figure out something with podcasting. And he doesn't have the first clue about the technology. Mm. And I, I try to explain it and he just doesn't get it. But he could run circles around me behind a mic. So I think that if you're going to be an independent podcaster, especially starting out, you got to be able to do a little bit of everything. Yeah. And then the only thing, I cannot do graphic arts, so I have to hire somebody. <laughs> Although Canva is great, but anyway. Um, what, do you have any any of your biggest mistakes or regrets in podcasting? 
yeah, between 2005 and 2008, not doing more, not starting faster. <laughs> yeah. And 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 the other thing is, is that um, I'm trying to think. Um, I think I would do. I'm starting to do more video now. I would have done more video earlier. Um, those are my main. Okay. Ones. Those are my main ones. Jim, it it, it blows my mind that, that people can do this, and and that's my dream. I would love to be able to do podcasting for a living. Obviously it's a, a huge uh, sea out there, a bunch of fish out there. And and again, we talked about how it just takes so much time to do it. What is, is a normal week look like for you behind the scenes? Well, uh, I usually do my recording on Wednesdays and Thursdays. So I set times I use, uh, uh, I use a, now I use like a calendaring system mm-hmm. To book, and that that's worked out great. That's only been the last several months, and that's been even helpful. Even though I have an assistant who helps me with that stuff, um, it, it's been extremely helpful. Rather than sending twenty seven emails back and forth, <laughs> what time's good for you? What time's yeah. good for you? Um, uh, but uh, really, Monday, uh, I just kind of catch up with all my email over the weekend. Uh, Monday and Tuesday are a lot of editing. Wednesday and Thursday are a lot of interviews and Friday is like a cleanup day. Mm. Now, uh, during the summer, I have my eldest daughter doing some editing for me, but she's back in school now. So I'm back on, and I have in the past hired editors. The problem is I'm so picky Mm. about how I want things that it's like, ah, I'll just do it myself. (laughs) But uh, I mean, I've worked with some great editors. It's not to besmirch them in any way. Uh, but, uh, you know, when you're editing five or six shows mm-hmm. a week and then now I've kind of, I, I was letting some third parties handle my ad sales, which was always kind of ironic because that was my profession. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I kind of think there were two things that one, I didn't want to deal with it anymore. I was kind of tired yeah. of it. And the second thing was, is I thought, well, these big agencies won't talk to me. Well, the truth is. It's going better since I took it back. Mm. <laughs> Much be- better. And it isn't actually because, well, I don't want to get into it, but but it's actually not that much more work. Mm. And I'm I'm doing far better in my percentage of ads sold and, and all that good stuff. So there's just always something to do. Yeah. And that's if everything's working right. That's, you know, you get into situations where your website will go down or, you know, you know, unexpected mm-hmm. stuff. So it's just really, it's a full-time gig yeah. and it's really more than a full-time gig. I probably, like I said, probably 50 to 60 hours a week. Wow. And the tough thing about being a business owner is if something goes wrong, there's nobody to call. Mm-hmm. It's you. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so, but all in all, I mean, I wouldn't trade it for the world. It's fantastic. Yeah. Let's talk about your shows. You've got several of them. Uh, the Paranormal Podcast. That's an interview format, ghosts, UFOs, blog, uh, Bigfoot, yeah. um, cryptics, all those. Yeah, that, that one that one is very – you talked about Coast to mm-hmm. Coast AM. I mean that's very much a similar style kind of show. I don't take call-ins, but I'll interview actually many of the same guests and just do my own spin on mm-hmm. it. Uh, you know, I'm not going to outdo George Norrie or Richard Sirrett or, you know, those guys over there. They're all fantastic. Mm-hmm. And it's a great show. And, of course, uh, the late, great Art Bell. Uh, nobody, nobody's going to be Art right. Bell. There's no way. There's no reason to even try because there's only one of him. <laughs> uh, it's like trying to be, although now I don't think a lot of people even know who he was, unfortunately. But it's like trying to be Johnny Carson. You're, you're not going <laughs> right. to be Johnny Carson. There was one Johnny Carson. But the the point is, is that, you know, it's just my take on interviewing these mm-hmm. people uh, about their uh, 
about their theories. And, and just because, and I used to have this problem with art. I used to listen to them and I told my wife, I was like, how can he interview all these people? They're, they're opposed to each other, but mm-hmm. I wasn't getting it. The point is, is that I don't have to necessarily agree with theory A, theory B, or theory C. I'm just a facilitator to get that message out there and then let the audience decide. Mm. That's that's key because one of the things that I love about you uh, and George Nori is it doesn't matter what anybody says. Uh, it could be so, in my opinion, completely far left or right or whatever, you know, it, just out there. But you just take it in stride and just, well, there you go. Um, and, and just let that uh, that line just kind of go wherever it, wherever it needs to go. Well, I'll give you an example. Now, I draw the line and I have actually stopped interviews and they've never seen the light of day where somebody started, you know, insulting one group Mm. or another or those kind of things. And then I won't uh, deal with hate speech or anything Mm -hmm. like that. That's 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 not permissible. We don't do that. But the, the, the point is, is that, for example, I've had flat earthers on. Now, do I believe for a minute that the earth is flat? No. But this person has this perspective, and there's a reason for mm-hmm. that perspective, and there is a, to them, a logic to it. So why not take that half hour, that 45 minutes, and that's basically where those interviews end up about that mm-hmm. time. Why don't we take that time and just do a thought experiment? Mm-hmm. And let's just talk about this person as though that's a possibility, and explain to me why that's possible and why you believe that. And then at the end, we can sit back and we can say, well, that was interesting. Yeah. That was entertaining. I don't believe a word of it, but, you know, in terms of, and I'm talking more about the professional guests. I have a different attitude on my campfire callers, and I'm sure we'll talk about that. But in terms of my professional guests, it's like, okay, you've got theory X, you tell me why, and then we'll all decide in our quiet hours if it's something that we buy into or not. There are flat earthers all around the globe. (laughs) (laughs) Well, my favorite was my, I got to tell a funny story now. There was, uh, I won't even mention the mm. guest, but um, he said that he could teleport. Mm. And on my, I have the Rodecaster Pro here, and it has those little uh, sound pads where you can hit different sound effects. And I, you know, it was almost like I felt like hitting the cuckoo button, <laughs> you know. But, uh, but no, you know, you say you can teleport, explain to me, how does that mm. work? You know, that, that's, you know, just because I don't see it as valid doesn't mean and maybe he can maybe i'm wrong so i think when you go into something like this you have to have an open mind because i don't want to be one of those places where people are going to call in and they're going to think i'm going to be laughed at or made fun Mm. of because that's not what i do well speaking about uh, people calling in let's talk about campfire stories because i yeah that's probably my most popular show i would say that's the show that's allowed me to do this full time Mm. just people love that show uh, and, uh, basically my attitude, first of all, I will say that I believe the vast, vast majority of people, um, are very sincere in what they call in about. Mm. And I believe they believe what they're telling me. And many times, uh, you know, I've told I've made the statement to people when they've had a really incredible situation, I'll say, A, either you're making that up, or B, that is the most stunning proof of the supernatural I've ever heard. And, and you know, the, I believe that they've actually experienced something mm-hmm. and that something uh, wild has happened to them. We had a call a week ago. It was on last week's show. 
and as we record this on August 2nd. And uh, it was a gentleman, and I believe him 100%. Mm-hmm. Um, he said that he was watching TV. He was in his early 40s at the time. And his phone rang, and he picked it up. And he said, hey, Keith, how are you doing? And he was like, uh, I'm, I'm okay. He's like, yeah, well, the, the person on the other end seemed very calm, very reassuring, very kind. said, I really, you know, I, I, I wanted to see how you were doing. I haven't heard from you for a while. And uh, I'm going to be seeing you soon, and I just wanted to make sure you're okay. And Keith said, yeah, I'm fine. He said, uh, and Keith started thinking, geez, you know, I better see who this <laughs> right. is because I don't want somebody just showing up at my <laughs> sure. house. You know, I'm not ready for him. I don't know who this is. He said, um, I, I'm sorry, I, I'm not placing your voice. Could you, could you tell me who this is? And he said, well, sure, Keith, it's Jesus. And Keith thought, okay, somebody's pranking mm. me. And he said, well, thank you very much for calling and uh, have a nice day. He didn't cuss him out or anything. And he hung up. About a week later, he had a massive heart attack mm. that almost killed him. It was so bad that um, they rushed the chaplain to the hospital to be with his family because they didn't think he was going to make mm. it. And Keith said that really made him think because what did he say? He said, I'm going to see you very soon. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, was that Jesus? I mean, now, one of two things to me are possible there, are probable. There's three possibilities. It was a coincidence somebody was pranking him. But boy, that would be a coincidence, Mm -hmm. wouldn't it? Uh, Number two, he's making it up, which I don't believe he is. Or number three, he got a call from Jesus. I think he might have gotten a call from Jesus. Yeah, and and I remember listening to that episode, and he was saying that uh, there was no call history for that entire day. Like all the other things. That's exactly right. Yeah. It was, it was a, That's exactly right. So I believe very strange things happen. Uh, I believe it with 100% of my being. Does that mean that sometimes people make stuff up? Sure. Mm-hmm. But I think in the case of the campfire, I feel very strongly that the vast majority of our people have probably experienced something supernatural, or if they haven't, they have interpreted mm-hmm. As something as supernatural. And I always want to be respectful of those people, kind to those people, non judgmental, and give them a place where they can share. And it's been very well received. And I think that's why people want to tell their sh- stories on the yeah. show and uh, why, why it's worked because they know that I'm sincere. Yeah, 100%. You can tell that there's even that, um, that connection that you have with your listeners, and um, they're, they're, I believe, as sincere as they can be. Me too. The other uh, shows that you have are the the plus uh, shows that you have, the crime scene, uh, the true crime uh, one that you have. Can you tell us a little bit about that one? Well, first of all, and that's that's bad marketing on my part because the actual new episodes are free. Oh, are they? Okay. Sorry, uh, yeah, my fault. see, see. No, no, no. That's my fault. Bad marketing on my part. In fact, that's a show that has not taken off even though I've done uh, – I'm like a hundred and – 70 something or 80 some episodes in mm-hmm. and that's not taken off. And I think because it was at one time a premium only gotcha. show, but I kind of, I, I thought of that show before serial came out, <laughs> but I think that, and uh, I kind of kicked myself cause I wish I would have released it as a free show, but I think that shows like the paranormal podcast, mm-hmm. it's interviews with authors and experts 
And sometimes I don't think there's enough blood and guts for people. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like, uh, you know, uh, Keith Morrison from Dateline is doing a new true crime show. Yeah. And, you know, it's like uh, SNL had a great thing on him where it's like uh, uh, the, 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 the family members talking with him and he's interviewing. He said, well, we found Fred in a trunk and, and Keith Morrison will go. Was he all right? <laughs> <laughs> so I talked to, but I seriously talked to authors about these cases. And I think there's some great shows in there. We've actually, strangely enough, I've interviewed multiple Pulitzer Prize winners on that show. Hmm. And people are blown away by that because they know me as the, the, the paranormal guy and the ghost mm-hmm. story guy. And it's like, yeah, we've, uh, and it's almost funny because when I get to talk to you, um, one of these, um, New York Times bestsellers or Pulitzer Prize winners. Uh, after the interview, they'll go like, that was really good. Mm. It's like, <laughs> what did you expect? <laughs> I think you didn't expect good. Uh, but um, yeah, I love doing that show. I think it's fascinating. And I think uh, I interviewed, um, if you're familiar with that show, Mind Hunter, mm-hmm. I interviewed the gentleman that works with... Um, John Douglas, who the the Holden Ford character is based oh, wow. on, uh, who writes his books with John Douglas and has done, I think he did the book Mindhunter. And it was fascinating to talk about serial killers, mm-hmm. for example, and just to see, because to me, that's one of the great mysteries. Um, I mean, I could see in the course of life how if somebody would, let's say you're in an argument, let's say you're in a bar mm-hmm. and somebody throws a punch at you and you throw a punch at them back and it hits them and unfortunately they like fall and bump their head and they die. Mm. I see how that could happen to a normal person, you know, maybe a little bit of a hot head, but you know, I see how that can happen by accident. Right. I don't understand how somebody can kill 15 people and, you know, cook their remains. <laughs> right. I don't understand how, you know, we had uh, Israel keys as a, is a serial killer that a lot of people don't know much about. But what he did was, and this is incredibly diabolical, he would plant kill kits all across the country. And then he would fly to random markets where he had these kill kits and kill somebody and then fly out. And then nobody would ever connect him because he's not even from the area. Oh, wow. So, I mean, what could drive somebody to do something so twisted? Mm-hmm. And I think that's, you know, those are fascinating and disturbing. I mean, I find that show way more disturbing than the ghost story <laughs> shows. Yeah. Really. I mean, it's just because a ghost I can understand, you know, some of the possible explanations for it. I can't understand why someone could be so cruel to people mm. and, and and do such diabolical things. So it's one of those shows I, I from time to time I'll say, you know, this doesn't get the listenership of the other shows and. Maybe I should stop doing it. And I just keep doing it because I, I love doing the show. It it literally makes me no money, but I enjoy doing it. <laughs> Is that probably one of your, your most favorite ones to produce? Yeah. yeah. I mean, in terms of just yesterday, I interviewed a TV reporter from North Carolina, and we talked about uh, a murder case that was actually in her neighborhood mm. about this seemingly, you know, perfect married couple in the suburbs and the husband murders the wife. You know, why does somebody do something mm. crazy like that? I, I don't know the answer. Yeah, it's, it's incredible how the mind works. Um, there was a TV show on Netflix um, 
called Push. Um, and it just takes an unsuspecting person and goes through a process to see if they can even push somebody off the ledge. You guys, we talked about that show before. Oh, yeah, I saw yeah. that. You know, there, that reminds me of there was a thing called uh, – I'm trying to remember. It was the Milgram mm-hmm. experiment, something like that. The the Milgram experiment. And this goes back to, I think, the 60s. And actually, this has been psychologists have basically banned this kind of thing. But what they did was is they took um, a regular person, right? And then they, they put them in a clinical situation. Uh, I think this was like 1962, 63, somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. And what they did was, is they had it set up and they would ask the person, uh, okay, um, we're going to put you in this room. There's an adjoining room. There is a person hooked to electrodes. And um, we're going to basically um, give this person electric shocks. Oh, wow. And, but they weren't. It was hmm. fake. But the experiment was to see what the person would do. Would they... Uh, would they allow, would they give, would they administer electric shocks to a person? So basically I got it wrong. Basically the participant was told they had these controls mm-hmm. and they would administer the electric shocks and it was on, on like a dial, right? It was like a dial from one to 10 or mm-hmm. something. And then he would say, okay, administer the shock. And there was a person on the other side who was not getting a shock, <laughs> but they would yell as though they were getting a shock. Wow. Yeah. And, and then, uh, and they keep upping the thing. And the person will be like, oh, please stop. Please stop. And he's like, disregard that. <laughs> Number eight, apply the shock. Oh, no. And they would experiment to see if they would do it. And a lot of people did yeah. it. Mm. Because you know why? The person telling him to do it had like a lab coat on and had like this um, uh, authority figure mm-hmm. thing going on. So people can be twisted to do some very disturbing things. That's why I always keep an, an orange road cone, cone in my car because people fear an orange road cone like none other. You can put that anywhere you want and and people won't touch it. It's <laughs> a good point. Um, we'll go to um, the next show, Pod Lords. You kind of talked about that one earlier, talking, interviewing yep. podcast royalty about the medium, the past, present, the future of podcasting. That's what we do there, and I really enjoy it. And uh, I just love to talk about podcasting, as you could probably tell from before. So, yeah, no doubt. <laughs> and I have a lot of opinions, so it's a good outlet yeah. for me. Uh, I'll definitely check that one out. I haven't done that one yet. And soulmate stories with your wife. Yeah, that's that's a new one uh, with my wife, and uh, we're still working on a format for that. Part of it is people calling in with these wild stories about how they met their significant other, and then we intersperse. Some light banter. And that's kind of like Podlords and Crime Scene. Those are ones that I do for the love of the mm-hmm. shows. I'm still figuring out how to make money with those. <laughs> sure. <laughs> but um, it's like the old TV networks used to have uh, the radio networks back in the day, like in the 40s, had what they called sustaining programming. Mm-hmm. Shows they, they did just because they thought it was a good idea to do, like public mm-hmm. service or whatever. And those shows kind of fall into that category. But that's a lot of fun. And... Um, She's very verbal and has a lot of opinions, so it, it works out well. She actually does a very nice job on it. Awesome. And one of my other favorites is the Great TV Podcast. Yeah, that one's on hiatus. I, I mean, that's one that I never figured out how to um, 
do, and you can see that I have successes and I have not successes. And that one was never one that caught on, but I love classic TV. When I talk about classic TV, I'm talking about 50s, 60s, 70s, Mm. 80s. Uh, For me, that's classic TV. Some people like, you know, the 2000s are classic TV. But um, I got to interview Ed Asner from the Mary Tyler Moore Show, Uh Cindy Williams from Laverne and Shirley, um, uh, Don Wells from uh, Mm -hmm. Gilligan's Island, who was Mary Ann. I got to uh, Michael Learned, who was the mother on the Waltons. And uh, I loved doing that yeah. show. It was just a great excuse to talk to people who I just wanted to talk to. And and that's a great thing about podcasting is, you know, you know, if I called up uh, the agent for Marianne, who was on Gilligan's Island, you know, and said, I'd just like to talk to her for about 30, mm-hmm. 40 minutes. Is that okay? <laughs> <laughs> but... I've got a podcast. Sure. I'll come on the show. So, uh, that, that shows a lot of fun. That make that's one. See what I tend to do is if, if I've got something that doesn't quite click the first mm. time, I kind of let it hang around until I think how to rework mm. it and maybe give it another shot. I don't give up, <laughs> but it's still out there. If you want to listen yeah. to yeah, it, I listened to the, think, the Star Trek one. Like last week. When, yeah, uh, that one I just put out. Yeah, And that's the other thing that will happen. If an agent or somebody contacts me and says, hey, I've got somebody, I'll do like a one Okay, yeah. So it's just kind of like whenever so I So the cool one-off. thing about podcasting is, you, you know, that feed, people don't typically unsubscribe when you stop doing it. And right. you can drop little nuggets in there mm-hmm. forever. Mm-hmm. Oh, hey, surprise, new episode kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um. So, so those are the the podcasts that you guys have. What again? We go back to the campfire because that's where I originally got uh, got connected to you. What's your most camp- favorite campfire story? If you can share that briefly, this one's called the Roadhouse Saloon, and I'll try to make okay. it quick. Uh, the caller's name is Ti. She was up in Wisconsin, and her and her friend went to like this rural bar to watch a band. They closed the place down. It's like two thirty in the morning. They're leaving. And uh, all of a sudden, T.I. tells her friend Bob, I've got to go to the bathroom. And there's nothing open, and it's woods, and it's about an hour till mm. we get home. And he said, well, you could always go in a bush. <laughs> and she said, no, thank you. Just drive fast. So anyway, they, uh, they go a little while longer, and they come on this roadhouse bar that is wide open. And by the way, we have confirmed that this place exists, and people have taken pictures. So this place exists. Okay. So they go in. People are kind of weird. There's a parking lot full of people. There's neon lights on. And they're kind of smiling, but they're not talking a lot. Bob goes, gets a couple beers. T.I. goes to the restroom. She comes back. And they start talking. And all of a sudden, this one guy with rotten teeth comes up to her, wants to dance. He uh, put uh, Chubby Checkers Let's Twist Again on the <laughs> vinyl jukebox. Oh, wow. And he wanted to dance. And he's smiling with his rotten teeth. And T.I. has a cane and she holds it up and says, oh, I don't do a lot of dancing. And she said in this case, she was actually glad she had that to, to beg him off. So he <laughs> but that will come back in the story. So anyway, they're talking. There's this old West mural on the side of the wall. The mural exists. I've seen pictures of it. Okay. So anyway, it's uh, got a bartender and it's got some ladies and uh, in it and different things like showgirls. And the thing is, is that they notice that the people in the painting are the same people in the room. Mm. I'm like, that's weird. And then Bob says, well, maybe the artist did this as uh, an homage mm-hmm. to the regulars that come here. Gotcha. You know? 
And he even told her he was glad that they'd stopped there because he'd heard about this mural because he was an artist, too. Hmm. So anyway, they're talking and blah, 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 so forth and so on. People still kind of acting a little weird, kind of smiling, and but uh, they don't think much of it. Then they, they, they notice there's these double door saloon doors in the mural. And they notice something they didn't notice initially. There's two like misty shapes in the doorway. Hmm. And they talk a little bit and they look back and they're a little more developed in. They're a little more developed in. And one's shorter and one's taller. Looking a little more, the taller one seems to be a man. The shorter one seems to be a woman. They look a little more and the shorter one has curly hair and boots. And T.I. has curly hair and boots. And then, lo and behold, they see a cane. Well, T.I. has a cane. Oh, buddy. Uh-oh. <laughs> I'm out. Gotta go. And they're like, that's what they said. They said, you know what? We better go. Oh. <laughs> it appeared like a Polaroid picture that they were literally developing into the uh, mural. But the story's not over yet. They walk out the door. They close the door. T.I. said the place looked totally dark, like it had never been opened. Mm. And as they were going back, the people were beckoning for them to come back in. But once they closed the door, everything was totally black, like it had never been open. All of the neon signs off. They turn around to look at the parking lot. There's a car there, one car, their car. So they get out, and uh, Bob peels rubber, as they say, uh-huh. and gets out. Now, the story's still not over there. T.I., being a much braver person than me, <laughs> says, I'm going to go back. Oh, I'm going to check this out. So she goes with a friend. Now, she doesn't wait till 3 o'clock in the morning. She goes like at 7 or 8 at night. Okay. A couple days later, and it's with her friend. Bob was smart. He didn't go. <laughs> but anyway... <laughs> There's a jukebox there. Remember that vinyl jukebox mm-hmm. I told you about? There's a jukebox there. It plays CDs and there's no chubby checker on it. Mm. And then she's talking to the bartender and the, she says, uh, you know, I was in here the other day. There was this big, good looking bartender in the back. And she's like, I'm sorry, ma'am. There's nobody like that here. The only two bartenders are me and my elderly father. And with that, T.I. and their friend, well, they left. Mm. But who knows where they were at the Roadhouse Saloon. And that's my favorite campfire story. Oh, wow. Ooh. Chills up and down the spine on that one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and the thing that really brought it home to me was when people started sending me pictures through our Facebook mm. group. Nobody. The place actually exists, and there's actually an old West mural. Does the studio feel colder than anybody else right now? <sighs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I think all of our batteries are draining. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Jim, what is the process if somebody has a story that they'd like to share? That is so easy. All they have to do is go to jimherald.com slash campfire. That's jimherald.com slash campfire. They sign up, and then we contact them and schedule a time. And it's very, very easy to do, and we'd love to hear everybody's campfire stories. Just out of personal curiosity, talking about campfire stories, I remember I was driving through a national park in uh, on the way to Cincinnati one time, and uh, I can't remember what podcast it was. I was talking about the over 1,600 people have gone missing in national oh, yeah. parks. Um, have you had any podcasts like that? I haven't done specifically on that. I am aware of it. Uh, David Paulides would not have been able to get him on the show. Is really the guy who's the yeah, I think can I think he's with Can Am Missing Project, I believe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
and he's been on coast to coast many times oh. and so forth. We've not had luck on getting him on. We've tried many times, which is odd because we've had Eric Von Donneken, oh. Cherry of the Gods. I mean, we've had some of, the, you know, pretty much the biggest names, uh, pretty much everybody, but he's one of those we just can't seem to get for some reason. But I am familiar with that. And that, you know, that to me... It almost asks that question about, because the thing about this, I think the truth behind some of this stuff is a lot weirder than we think. You know, again, probably of all the different phenomena, I might be more skeptical about something like a Bigfoot or something. But if he does exist, why haven't we found a body now? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. If you talk to researchers, they'll say, well, because nature takes care of its own and, you know, you don't find bodies of deer in the woods or, or whatever it might be because of rotting and you know, scavengers and so forth. But I mean, you would think you would find a bone or something sometime at least once. But if Bigfoot is an interdimensional traveler, you wouldn't. Uh, Also, uh, for example, in Pennsylvania, uh, Stan Gordon, uh, the researcher, has done a lot of work that there's a big coincidence, not a coincidence, but a coincidence of Bigfoot and UFOs. Hmm. So who knows? There could be you know, maybe people are getting lost in another dimension when they're van. And I don't mean to make light of, you know, people have, there's a lot of people who just, it goes back to the crime scene, mm-hmm. right? Unfortunately, humans are, are the, you know, the most diabolical creature for the most part. Mm-hmm. And most of these people, you talk about something nefarious has probably happened to them. But could people slip into another dimension? I I couldn't say that it's not possible. Yeah. No, actually, we were just talking about that pre-show. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Doo, 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 doo. <laughs> well, Jim, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. I know your time is valuable and you got to go. But thank you again so much for joining. Yes, thank you so much. I really appreciate it, guys. And if anybody wants to listen to the show now, you talked about the Plus shows, but there's a ton of free ones. Yeah. All you have to do is wherever they listen to podcasts, just type in the name Jim Harold, J-I-M-H-A-R-O-L-D, Campfires free, the most recent episodes, the last 90 days, paranormal podcasts the same way. So there's, I, I just want to make sure people know there's a mm-hmm. ton of free stuff to listen to. And then if they become super fans, they can do the plus club sometime down the road. But I really want to get, you know, get that free content out there and invite everybody. And they can also go to the hub of everything I do, jimherald.com. And again, you guys have been very gracious, a lot of fun to talk to. And thank you for taking time tonight. Thank you, Jim. Jim, thank you so much. Once again, that was uh, Jim Harold with uh, JimHerald.com, and uh, we appreciate him coming in uh, doing the episode. Yeah, that's probably one of your ones you've been looking forward to, right? Yeah, I really I, I do love listening to his stories, uh, those campfire stories. And, um, you know, when when you're working late at night and there's nothing else to do and you listen to that podcast, you you do kind of get your hairs to stand up. No, on the wonder, back no wonder you're having trouble sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, appreciate you guys tuning in as always. Uh, go wherever you find those episodes or go wherever you download podcasts. I, I'm actually using iTunes again since our coin, yeah. Pod <laughs> coin, Pod went, coin went, went bye bye. So I get, you know, just go to Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, uh, iHeart. Wherever you basically mm-hmm. download an episode, go there, look for Southern Fry Philosophy. Yeah, you can subscribe, give us a like, a review, a rating. Uh, Producer Brian, you had a pause in your eye when I said PodCoin. Did something happen to PodCoin? They went under. Did yeah. they really? I have yeah. no idea. Yeah, okay, they, so I shouldn't put that ad in this week's episode. <laughs> <Probably>. Yeah. <Okay. laughs> they, they went, I think they went the way of the stock market this past week. 
Uh-oh. Yeah, down, down, down. Mm. Anyway, we appreciate you guys, as always. Please go to our website at southernfriedphilosophy.com, Twitter's and Instagram at SFP Radio. Um, I think that's pretty much it. And also, yeah. I'd like to uh, – actually, today is was my, would be my – uh, donor's uh, birthday today. So mm. I think we'd have been turning 28. So I'd like to say hi to my donor family, Lisa and his son, Salem. So uh, love you guys and be, been thinking about you guys all days. But uh, yeah, just go to Donate Life. Uh, you know, you're not going to be using the organs when you pass away. And yeah, just do that. Save someone else's life if you can. And we appreciate you guys tuning in. Yeah. And as always, keep looking up. You're listening to the SFP Radio Network.